The Scream Kings are in no way responsible for any encounters with the paranormal, extraterrestrial abductions, eldritch insanity, hauntings, curses, hexes, demonic possessions, cryptozoological sightings, or any loss of sleep that results from listening to this podcast. This is the Scream Kings podcast. I'm Max George. And I'm Nathaniel Darkish. What if I told you that today you'll leave here different? I'm podcasting to you right here. You're going to witness an absolute spectacle. So what happens next? You ready? Are you ready? I mean, I'm ready. I'm ready too. I hope I didn't just make a bunch of people's ears bleed. Eh, I don't... I mean, I can always, you know, tone you down a little bit in post. Never! Okay, we can make them bleed, whatever. (laughs) Hello everyone, we're back! Yes, we are, and uh, in spite life continuing to just try to just make continuing this podcast as difficult as possible, as it uh, has been wont to do for the last, like, two years... Um, we, <laughs> nevertheless, we persist, we are here, and today we are talking Jordan Peele's, uh, nope. Yeah, thanks for everyone who's, again, still here. We know our recording schedule is just kind of all over the place. We really do try to stick to, to a good schedule, but, uh, life just has been hitting pretty hard in 2022, so, uh, you know what I have to say to 2022, Nathaniel? Nope. Nope, exactly. (laughs) Uh, We're going to talk about this uh, crazy movie from Jordan Peele. Came out this year. We have a lot of feelings about it. I feel like we need to remind everyone again that this movie is probably... This is a spoiler podcast? Yeah, yeah. This movie is much better enjoyed if you don't know a lot about the what's to come. So if you are okay with the spoilers and you don't care please still listen if you don't want to know go watch the movie i think it is streaming on hbo max right now and i think peacock or something peacock yeah it's definitely streaming you don't have to pay 50 dollars to go see it in the theaters uh but definitely check it out if you're worried about spoilers because again similar to like hereditary and midsummer it's better seen the less you know about it I, I definitely agree, but if you do want to just get a temperature gauge from us before you see it, or before or if, before you make that decision, I'll say uh, I'm extremely lukewarm about it, <laughs> and uh, y- you aren't really a fan. Um, I I enjoyed it, but there uh, we'll get into it, Nathaniel. Let's just get into it. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Run, 
this would be an opportunity. I'm talking rich and famous for life. There's plenty of videos for flying shit online. Ain't nobody gonna get what we gonna get. What we gonna get? The money shot. What's up? Undeniable proof of aliens on camera. The Oprah shot. You guys gonna tell me what's going on? Hell no. no. I'm now here, and you're the only person in the world that can get it on film. That cloud ain't moved an inch. It's aliens. They're just waiting for the perfect time to shove metal probes up our asses. I'll be rooting for you. I think we pissed them off. Yeah, they repainted your house. They're gonna come back. You ready? We got some work to do. Not it. Nope. I'll get him out. And I'll get the shot. Let's go, baby! Let's go! As always, let's let's start with the things that, that we liked about the film. Because um, there is a lot of good to this, even though, again, I'm, I'm extremely lukewarm overall towards the film. First things first. Let's talk about the big spoiler. Because um, I <laughs> well, it's, it's, before it's, before we get there, can we maybe just throw down the the overarching plot real quick? Okay, uh, I I can do that for us. Yeah, hit us. Okay, so we have a brother and sister, OJ and Emerald Haywood, uh, who have just inherited their father's uh, horse ranch. Uh, they train horses for Hollywood um, but uh, and, and this is uh, shortly after their father died after a weird freak accident where a coin fell from the sky and killed him um, so they are kind of running on hard times or you know trying to keep the momentum going from their dad but their dad <laughs> was really good at the business side of things they're not as good at that Um and so, you know, kind of out of desperation, they keep having to sell some of their horses to a nearby Western attraction, uh, which is uh, run by uh, a, a man referred to as Jupe Park. Um, he uh, was a, like, child star back in the day and uh, had a very traumatic incident that was actually the opening of, of the film. Um, where a uh, chimpanzee that was, you know, a central figure in the TV show he was on uh, freaked out and killed some people. Um, and he has been largely trying to make money off of his trauma uh, by, you know, charging people a, a premium to see all of the uh, memorabilia re- related to that show, as well as. Yeah, running this very gimmicky western attraction. Um, they so so OJ and uh, Emerald uh, quickly come to the conclusion um, after seeing some weird stuff in the skies that um, that a cloud has not moved, and so uh, they they come to the conclusion that. Uh, it was a UFO that actually killed their father, and it has continued to stick around in the area. So they want to get photographic evidence of that, or, or you know, like hard, you know, film evidence of it. So they uh, set up a bunch of cameras. We get introduced to the guy from the local Fry's Electronics, Angel, who helps who them is out. Really, the the winner of this entire movie. Sure, um, <laughs> and uh, then. 
you know, they quickly learn that this creature, uh, it turns out, um, you know, is is, is an, an alien entity, not just like a, a alien ship. Uh, when a couple of things happen, uh, most notably that at Jupe's little attraction, uh, it turns out he has been y- using horses uh, and feeding them to this this thing, uh, so then he can start making money off of you know showing that off. You know, basically hardcore uh, UFO evidence uh, at the cost of you know a horse a, a week or something like that. Um, but uh, that goes horribly awry when he tries to actually just unveil this attraction because the creature just eats everybody. Um, and you know also has a lot of the typical UFO stuff. It can you know knock out electricity and stuff like that. And so after recruiting a cameraman who is very inventive and comes up with a uh, non-electronic camera that they can use. Um, the Haywoods plus uh, Angel and Antlers is this cameraman's name, uh, unfortunately. Um, try to get some evidence and, you know, things go awry a little bit. Antlers gets killed, uh, but then they ultimately get uh, the winning shot using uh, this, like, ridiculous gimmicky like camera in a well thing that was at part of the western attraction uh and then roll credits yeah so i mean at its core it's kind of a very classical alien ufo encounter type of a deal right like Mm -hmm. we have our our archetype protagonists who are are united in kind of obtaining proof that this thing exists and of course they they come into speed bumps along the way um, really the highlight, and here's the big spoiler for everyone, uh, is the UFO is actually not a like, machine. It's an actual alien. Like The UFO is the alien. It is an organic living creature, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that is kind of the big you know, mic drop for the film is nine out of ten times when we watch an alien film, the UFO is mechanical spaceship or whatever it's the unidentified flying object of course so it was kind of a fun twist to have the ufo be organic and a living thing and it it kind of turned from alien film to a monster movie in some regard yeah yeah and like i think that's a is inherently like a cool idea um because you know we have seen you know aliens scooping up people and probing them and all sorts of weird stuff before but this is a fun twist um i just don't know if a lot of the things that they learned about it were warranted based on how little information that they get but we'll get into that more later but like i love this idea of of it being just a giant creature um, and that, you know, it, it functions in a very specific way, and it hunts, and, like, sometimes, you know, so, some of these scenes with this this thing were very creepy. And, and also, you know, we had some pretty upsetting moments that I thought worked really well, like when it's swallowing all of the people from this Western attraction. Yeah. Um, and, and that we see it, like, them, like, going through and, like, slowly dying and being digested and stuff for uh, a pretty long time, honestly. Um, and, like, that was a kind of a cool idea, because, like, you don't really see something, like, go through a digestive tract until it, you know, until they die. Um, 
Well, and, and also I think it was kind of cool to see a monster film that the the enemy, the monster, was this almost almost eldritch horror, right? Mm-hmm. Like the the alien felt very cephalopod. It was kind of this nautilus mixed with a lot of octopus themes. It could mm-hmm. camouflage itself. It could shapeshift its body, uh, which invoked in me a lot of Cthulhu mythos and kind of this idea of these you know old ones these ancient beings from the void kind of coming back to earth mm-hmm. um but also i kind of enjoyed that you know there's in the the zoology world everyone jokes that kind of octopus cephalopods are are aliens in themselves just because they're so weird they don't really make a whole lot of sense evolutionary wise mm-hmm. uh and so it was kind of a fun merging of let's take something in our world that is already kind of foreign and alien to us I mean, we know a lot about cephalopods, yeah, but they're I, still weird. Yeah, it, it it really did kind of capture that natural weirdness. It did feel like, you know, not anything quite of Earth, but, you know, with enough similarities to, yeah, things like, you know, real-life cephalopods that we, we could kind of buy into how it worked and, and kind of get a feel for that. And so I liked that. And, and, like, you know, with how that worked and how... Like slowly, it killed its victims and stuff like that. It was it was really interesting and made for some really haunting moments. Where you know we have the the scene where they're hiding out in the house, which uh, I'll get into a little bit more in a second here. But you know the the fact that we hear all of these people screaming and trying to get out as it's hovering overhead. Oh, haunting. Yeah, it it really worked effectively to some regard. Uh, we'll get into it a little bit later with some of the cons. I felt like the movie kind of shifted focus all of a sudden once we did see this reveal. Um, that's okay. It didn't sit mm-hmm. very well for me, so to speak, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Let's keep talking about the pros. Yeah, um, so yeah, l- let me just kind of talk more about that that one particular scene that I referenced. So okay. I, I kind of refer to it as, as the raining scene. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, basically... Um, Angel and Emerald are hiding out. Um, they like it's it's co- uh, coming their way. They don't really know what's going on. Um, OJ just saw people get slurped up and uh, kind of hit slurp, out. Slurp. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, this this creature, you know, is just kind of flying around and you know heads over there. And it ends up just kind of, like, raining down, like, mud and, like, really anything that wasn't organic on the house. You know, there's, like, a wheelchair and there's all sorts of crap that it just, like, rains down. And, like, it almost looks like it's, like, raining blood on the house. And it's really upsetting. And, and, and again, like, you know, you can hear the screaming up until the point that they everyone has been presumably slurped all the way to the uh, stomach of this creature. And, you know, and so, yeah, they're they're hiding, they're trying to stay away from windows, you know, they don't know what's going on, and it's just suddenly, like, just, yeah, raining mud and random crap everywhere, and it's just this very, uh, great, creepy, you know, very tense moment in this movie, uh, that otherwise I felt was, you know, didn't, didn't deliver on that many scary scenes, but that scene really really worked for me 
Well, yeah, and it, it kind of brought to the forefront what this creature was capable of, right? Like, Yes. Up to that moment, we'd only kind of gotten <clears throat> glimpses of the monster, but that raining scene really put it into perspective of, oh, OJ and Emerald don't know what they're up against. This mm. is much bigger and stronger than themselves. And... I really, I really liked that scene. Not only was it pretty scary and spooky and unnerving, but it it kind of raised the stakes a little bit, right? They can't make any kind of mistake or they're screwed. Yeah, they're they're super duper dead. Because <laughs> this thing is just gonna slurp them up. Slurp is one of those words. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, I also uh, was blown away by the cinematography. Oh yeah. Um, good lord, Nathaniel. I mean, this movie is filmed in kind of the middle of nowhere, the the wild west. Um, could be Idaho, could be Utah, could be Wyoming. Uh, it, I guess it's supposed to be somewhere you know outside of Hollywood, but not too terribly far outside of it. Yeah, very west coast kind of desert feel, uh, and the way they were able to kind of. Jordan Peele has this really good way of building tension from kind of the mundane. And I think kind of that emptiness of the West, and especially those dumb little, like, wiggle, weeble wobble air flotation guys, you know, the ones you see outside of gas stations. The wacky inflatable water flailing tube men! <laughs> yeah! Or as I think they called them in the film, <laughs> Sky Dancers. Yeah, the, the way they incorporated even those into, like... This atmosphere of just, I don't want to say terror, but more just dread. Like, this ominous thing is in the sky that nobody knows what it is, and you could feel it in the landscape almost. Yeah. Yeah, and I, mentioning the wacky inflatable arm flailing tube men, um, kind of, you know, leads in very naturally to this, uh, you know, kind of big final plan that they have to get the the shots that they need um i I think they refer to it as the oprah shot Um, yeah you know the the kind of footage that will get you on oprah and i liked how they utilized those guys as this very like clear indicator of you know is this creature uh who they name after uh a horse that they had previously jean jacket so if jean jacket is approaching um, you know, it's going to be killing, you know, the different, uh, you know, electronic devices nearby. And so basically, if it kills the generators that are tied, uh, or connected to these guys, well, then they know that it's coming. And so it kind of tells them where it is. Um, and so, like, that was really clever. Um, I, I really liked that. I liked, you know, how a lot of their plan worked, you know, utilizing, you know, not looking up at the sky. We'll get more into that later. Um, but you know, like it, it was like well thought out. I, I thought it was like, oh, hey, this is a clever plan that made sense to me as a viewer. Like, I hate when plans are so complicated and you can't really follow what's going on, or if it's just like so, you know, perfectly executed that you're like, how did anyone come up with this plan? How would you possibly think of all of these different, um, yeah, you know things that could go wrong so perfectly like you know so many contingencies and and like i felt like this plan was believable it was simple um and and yeah these these like great visual cues that helped us as an audience follow what was happening in interesting ways and so i liked that kind of final showdown in a lot of ways 
because it felt grounded in reality. Like, this is the kind of thing that someone who was clever enough could could make happen, and it isn't just, like, totally outside the, the realm of possibility for most ordinary people. Well, and to take it another step further, too, I think their motivations were pretty realistic, too, right? It wasn't... Yeah some esoteric alien we're gonna solve the mystery of aliens kind of a a bullshit kind of a story it was hey we need money and if we get this you know quote-unquote oprah shot it will get us money yeah uh and like publicity i really appreciated that it it was rooted in that 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 i mean let's be honest if someone really had proof of aliens they would be loving the publicity. They'd be loving the money. Like, yeah, that that is kind of built in almost to the alien mythos. And I, I like that they pulled that string a little bit. You don't really see that, if yeah. at all. Yeah, it's always and, just like, well, I have to do it because I'm drawn to it. And like, that's not necessarily a bad motivation. I mean, you know, Close Encounters of the Third Kind is one of my favorite movies. Sure, but same still. But even, like, uh, Dark Skies, I love that movie. Uh, It's one of the better alien films, in Mm -hmm. my opinion. But, again, they throw in that the aliens are after the kids, and so it's not really about the aliens. It's trying to protect the kids. Yeah. By all means, protect the kids. But it's refreshing to have an alien story that's that's rooted in real humanity. Like, let's be honest. I would want to get that Oprah shot. I could buy a house. Yeah, and and I like that the motivations were simply just like, this is a creature, and we don't know why it's on Earth, and we don't ever get any insight to that. We don't know how it got here, if it flew through space, if it's some sort of crazy, you know, mutation of something on Earth. Like, we assume it's a, a, you know, space alien, but we don't really know that. But it's big, and it's scary, and it's hungry. And that's really what it boils down to. It's this kind of very relatable creature a- approach. Um, yeah. Which, it, it goes back to that kind of eldritch horror theme we were talking about. Like, the motivations of the creature don't matter. It's here, it's doing what it does best, and that's destruction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... and a lot of the ways that, that they are successful is by understanding it more as a simple predator rather than, you know, oh, does it want to enlighten us or things like, or, you know, like, yeah, is there some yeah. great, greater purpose to it feeding? Is it gathering strength so it can go into space? None of that freaking matters. It's eating people, so you get the shot. Is it humans from the past trying to tell humans from the future what to do? Alien movies, guys, they're hard to find. They're hard to get good. Yeah, no, the the problem is that they're not hard to find. There's way too many That's, of them. Yeah, that, and yeah, thank you. Ninety percent of them are hot garbage. So, uh, as as always, uh, hit us up on our social media if you have any great suggestions. Uh, I really appreciate it, though. There is a scene in particular where OJ is kind of investigating this barn that he has on mm-hmm. the ranch. And these little kind of small creatures with very kind of spooky faces are in the barn as well. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of like following him. And again, the cinematography is so well done. They're creeping in the background and you're not sure if it's a shadow or if it's one of these guys. And to be fully honest, like that was the scariest part of the entire movie for me. 
only to find out they were just kids playing pranks on OJ. Yeah, it was just the kids of the dude who owned the ranch who, um, you know, they they had these costumes that their dad made as part of the spectacle of trying to show off the alien. Because, yeah, they, they straight up stole some stuff from the, the Western attraction to do some of their early tests um, on, you know, what, what does this creature want? So... So they were just, you know, calling him out on that, but, you know, decided to spook him. And, yeah, it and, worked really well. Um, and, 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 again, I, I think we have to give credit to Kiki Palmer. I think she was amazing in this film. Uh, she plays Emerald. I really enjoyed kind of the energy she gave in the film. She committed to the character. We'll, we'll say stuff as to, like, the nature of the characters, but I do feel like the actors and actresses gave a lot of their energy into their roles. Yeah, yeah. I like. I really liked um, how like subtle but like believable Daniel Kaluuya's performance was as OJ. Like, you know, he's he's phenomenal in, in everything I've seen him in. Um, but yeah, like like there's I, I liked that, especially kind of our main three characters. Um, you know, Emerald, OJ, and Angel. Their the the performances for them were very, I think, grounded and relatable, um, even when the circumstances were very out of this world. I'll say, yeah, <laughs> to say the least. Ha! Um, and I think we we definitely have to give a nod to the diversity of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan Peele always does an incredible job demonstrating the power and beauty of poc uh characters in a story it's my partner always says i don't want to watch more movies about the same white people over and over so to get these kind of different views of very archetypal movies is good we need more of it yeah and along those lines you know i like how he he definitely was kind of riffing off of you know, a lot of the kind of memes and jokes and stuff that, that have been thrown around about, you know, oh, well, you know, that that wouldn't uh, ha- happen in a horror movie if it was about black people. You know, they just go, nope, nope, and then just get out of there. <laughs> um, you know, like, and, and, you know, we've seen, you know, great things that played off of this. Uh, I don't remember exactly what the comedy group was but you know there there was like you know this one that went around it was called hell no and it was just you know uh, a horror movie and it lasts five minutes because you know everyone was black (laughs) and so oh hell no and then they get out of there um and so i you know similarly i felt like in nope it had a lot of moments that were were kind of fun to see kind of a different you know cultural perspective on this kind of thing that yes like they they are sticking around for reasons that make sense to the characters but there are certain moments where they just have to nope out of there um yeah and yeah just like the the times i think there's two points in the film where oj just goes nope like (laughs) hmm. both of those moments were really good uh they they were really fun like you know i kind of like laughed at at the at his delivery uh but you know like also i'm just like yeah i feel you i would not go out there or yeah i too would just hide and just wait until this bad has passed because you know that's that's the only thing that makes sense 
you would just say nope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I I, I think that kind of uh, anxiety. Uh, yeah. Saying nope makes a lot of sense to me. Oh, I lost you a minute there. <clears throat> oh. Am I am I good? Yeah, you're back. Okay, cool. I just said, uh, as as someone with anxiety, I definitely definitely relate to the uh, desire to just say nope. <laughs> For real. So I think that wraps about up all the the kind of like good stuff. I I feel weird saying this. I don't know why. Uh, it's a fine movie. The people I went really enjoyed it. I was kind of the odd man out. Um, and maybe we can kind of get into that, I think. But should we move into some of the cons, Nathaniel? Yeah. Um... Hold on. Before we dive too deep into the specifics, I want to talk about two things that I think really hurt this film to some extent. Okay. Uh, the first one is a very scientific term I've invented called pandemicitis, mm. where... We had a lot of films that kind of debuted their trailers right before the the big pandemic kind of push hit. And so I remember being in theaters and seeing Nope, the trailer, and just got crazy excited for it. And then it kind of disappeared because everyone was isolating at home. And then the pandemic was kind of over, kind of not. So they started playing the trailer again frequently. And it kind of built up this excitement for me. And I maybe, I wonder if the pandemic kind of limits films and their execution to some extent, where we've kind of become desensitized to the trailers a bit, or we're expecting a lot based on the trailers, solely because we've been seeing the trailers for a very long time. Um, I definitely see where you're coming from. I think a big part of maybe what's caused a little bit of a disconnect for me personally relative to the trailers was that that first trailer told us almost nothing but it sold me on that movie very hard um so that's i think my next thing i'm gonna get to probably is gonna speak to what you're saying or about to say okay and i think nope one of the biggest issues of it is it set us up for a certain expectation multiple times. Uh, like you mentioned, the first trailer was very kind of occult and secret, didn't give us a lot of information. So we were expecting one thing. Mm. Then we get a second trailer, and it kind of dives into what that film is actually going to be out, be about, and it's completely unrelated to what the first trailer indicated. And then throughout the movie there are these kind of weird setups that make us believe something is going on to a very extreme level. And the example I wanted to bring forth was that cabin, that barn scene, yeah. where we're pretty convinced that it's going to be aliens. And nope, it's not. And I wonder if that was intentional, like that, I think that so. little, the critics, nope. Uh, but as a viewer, the hype just kept losing steam for me. Um, I, I really wanted it to be something, and then it wasn't. And then I really wanted it to be another thing, and then it wasn't. And then it happened multiple times throughout not only the trailer, but the film itself. I definitely agree, because 
I think that for what this film is, it does a very good job. I just... It just wasn't the kind of movie I wanted it to be. Like, it really didn't deliver very much on the scares. You know, we talked about a few really strong scare moments. Um, the barn scene and the raining scene. The rest And the of them, slurp. The slurp. Yeah. Which fed into the rating scene. True, true. Um, other than those moments, pretty much you know, 90% of the rest of the film had tension, but wasn't scary. And I wanted it to be a lot scarier than it was. Instead, it was like a, oh, huh, that's kind of a fun UFO idea. I haven't seen that before. And I don't mind that being what the movie is, but it wasn't what the first trailer especially promised me. The second trailer promised that a little bit more. Um, and frankly, I saw that first trailer and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to see this. I don't want to know any more about it. I'm, I'm going to go see this movie. And, you know, and it was like, you know, my phone background and all of that stuff. I was super stoked. <laughs> and then oh, when the, fi- the second trailer finally dropped, I kind of went, oh, I kind of don't care as much um and then and then when i watched the movie it was you know oh okay yeah so it is about what that second trailer was about you know it definitely focused much more on the you know trying to get the the oprah shot um i'm like okay i i'm willing to accept that but you know, it, it, but even that was really kind of a misdirect. And so, yes, like the the, t- the title of the film also kind of feeds into that of, you think it's about this? Nope. Like, and, and you know, Jordan Peele likes to subvert our expectations a lot. I yeah. think maybe he subverted it a couple times too many um, for what I was hoping to get out of the film. Again, what I was given was perfectly fine but it's it's like going to uh, an Asian restaurant and being handed a pretty decent Mexican meal. Yeah, I, I agree fullheartedly. I don't know if I would state it the same way. Um, I Jordan Peele is a phenomenal director. Let's just get that out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, get out was I, I think it will and always will be kind of a, a turning point in modern horror. It was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I saw that first trailer and I went into this understanding that Jordan Peele was going to do an alien movie, I think subconsciously I set up a lot of expectations and was ready for an alien movie done right. You know, we, we don't have a lot of those movies. And I, I get it. I get kind of that that artistic flair of, nope, it's not what you're going to think. But I agree with you that I think it just was a little heavy-handed. Um, I was really, really disappointed that the UFO was like this organic creature initially. Um, I, I wasn't like mind-blown. I wasn't like, oh, you know, those those cliched kind of plot twist reactions i was like oh really oh okay and then i kind of got on board right 
Yeah. It it just it failed to deliver what I was wanting, and I understand that there is bias in that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this isn't my film. These aren't my expectations. It's Jordan Peele's and his creative crew, but you're selling to an audience, and I think sometimes directors and creators and artists, whatever, forget, especially in cinema, that the the audience needs to have some buy-in as well, and playing this like pulling strings game. It just doesn't work all the time. Um, I would have really appreciated just a solid, scary, classical alien film from Jordan Peele. I didn't need the bells and whistles here. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I Because, yeah, like, again, I, I think the things that it did were interesting and clever, and I appreciate them for what they are. But, yeah, I think at the end of the day, I, too, was really more hoping for just oh crap alien movie that you know is gonna just freak me out because you know there's a handful of alien movies that do freak me out but most of them don't um and most of the ones that do have the word alien in their title because it's you know just alien so uh, that aside again i really want to like recognize my bias in this i i think that's fully fair and honest mm-hmm. um but it was a miss out of the like three big jordan peele films that we have get out us and now nope this was by far the weakest yeah um it's just it's just the opposite trajectory that i want right like i adored get out and i thought us was okay and then this was like as lukewarm as i could be about anything um i don't know i just i just hope his next thing really hits it out of the park because even though i have been less than thrilled with us and nope i still want to see what he has to say and what he wants or what he has to do as a director because he takes big swings and I will take that and you know a a big swing and a miss over something safe but boring agreed agreed Um, so you know even though yeah I think this film ultimately didn't work out super well for either of us I appreciate that he did take a big swing on it. Yeah, again, I would rather have, like, mediocre horror than bad horror, right? You mean the other way around? I would rather have mediocre horror than just have bad horror. So if this film was mediocre, it was better than, Mm. you know... Yeah, okay, other stuff yeah sorry you know (laughs) mediocre but interesting versus sure um bad but formulaic um okay let's move to another thing that really did not work for me um man oj Mm. is really good at just getting all of this insight about what's going on right like um same with emerald they're just like oh it's an alien yeah yeah like basically 
based on very little, just like, oh, I just never felt that satisfied that they said the coin somehow fell out of a plane, which admittedly is weird. You know, for, for the, the, their dad's death, he was just like, oh, well, you know. And then uh, I looked over and there's this cloud that hasn't moved in a few days, so clearly it's UFOs. I'm like, whoa, that is, I would not have gotten that far that fast. And then, oh, you know, they, he, he figures out very quickly that it's a, a living thing, which, not exactly sure how he made that connection. Um, and then, you know, it's like, oh, well, if it's a predator, then you just don't make eye contact. And suddenly that, like, informs how they do everything. And I'm like, how is he pulling these connections about h- how this thing works and how it thinks and how it behaves? Like, is he freaking, like, wild creature Rain Man? Or, you know, like, it's just, there's so many, like, huge connections. And, like, I can appreciate this idea that he is an animal expert and that he is going to have more insight to this kind of thing than, than the average person. Sure. But he is still drawing some really, really fast connections that I'm like, I am not ready for this level of insight yet i don't think that this is deserved you know this is the i'm watching a a badly done sherlock holmes thing and he's like well clearly it's this person and you're like why yeah it it went from him being like a zoologist to a ufologist in a matter of minutes but like a ufologist who is like god tier able to make connections well not only that like when they do find out that the ufo is actually a creature I mean, those are two separate things, right? Like, his frame of reference would be, oh, UFOs are machines and aliens are coming down. And then all of a sudden, it's a creature. And so now he knows, like, the inner workings and thinkings and, like, how to strategize against a foreign eldritch horror alien. Like, it just... It it doesn't work. It, it feels cheap and contrived. And I... I don't know if they were playing the trope of like other alien films where it's like in Dark Skies, for example, the mom is very fast to be like, oh, it must be aliens. So is it that kind of a trope or was it just poorly executed? It just its disappointing. Yeah. It, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I just felt like it was like missing a, a few pieces of connective tissue, right? Like, yeah, I, I am willing to accept the idea that he comes to these conclusions if there was a little bit more evidence, but it never quite threaded the needle for me on on any of these jumps. And also, and this is just maybe a personal preference thing, but I didn't necessarily love the idea that he was able to be like, oh, well, if we don't look at it, then it won't attack us. I'm like, uh, no. That's not, not how actually very many predators work. You know, right? If you're not looking at the predator, you're not like. Then you are easy prey. Right, right. You have to size up the predator. You know, when you encounter a bear or a mountain lion or whatever, you have to make yourself look bigger. That's biology 101. And it just the characters were rooted in realism as far as their motivations go, but outside of that, they kind of became caricatures of just kind of one-dimensional alien hunters uh, it didn't make sense yeah, yeah like it at a certain point we, we kind of stop having character development right um 
And, and yeah, like, again, just these huge leaps, and I just, I don't know, I just didn't buy them. And I also really like when something that is alien is truly alien, like its motivations don't necessarily make sense to humans, and they don't have to. And, right. and and the fact that then he was able to go, oh, it's so alien, but also, this is how uh, I think it works, and so that's just how it works. Like, I would rather be that he's like, I think that we should try this, and then just, like, fails catastrophically, or I think it should be like this, and then he tries something, and, and then, you know, oh, hey, this random thing worked. I don't know why it worked, but it did. And then we don't have answers, because I don't necessarily need to understand why it works, because the explanation was kind of stupid. Um, yeah, or even in that failure that they have, they figure something out that gives them the advantage. Yeah, right? exactly. Have your characters fail up, as opposed to, or fail forward is another way to put that, rather than just be like, oh, well, I, I watched this, <laughs> and now, now I... and you know connected that to when my horse freaked out when it's uh it's a mirror i'm like eh. Eh. yeah um the horses aren't predators and okay and that's why i really liked angel's character outside of everybody else brandon perea plays him because out of everyone i felt like he kind of was approaching it from a more realistic point of view. Again, it, I'm not saying that his decisions were all authentic and real, but he was kind of like, wait, what's going on? And he was afraid, and he wasn't sure about what they were doing. And I felt like he grounded the rest of the cast a little bit mm. and allowed us to relate. Um, because the other really hard thing I had a problem with was caring about anybody same um i liked kiki palmer i did not care for emerald um i liked the idea of oj and like this cool big brother who is scorned by his dad like who hasn't been through that right but then he became the ufologist supreme of the universe um i just didn't care i didn't care um, I, I think, again, we run into the issue where the first third of the film is about them trying to understand what's happening. Yeah. And then they figure it out. It's something completely foreign to them. But all of a the sudden, they have now all of the answers. And you just don't care. It, they, it took me out of the, the fantasy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, I would say... The hardest character to connect with was our grizzled, brilliant cameraman, oh, uh, Antlers, who, again, who would name their child Antlers? Ugh. Anyway, but regardless of his dumb name, he just... I Okay, I, I'm willing to accept that, you know, sometimes <laughs> there are these people who are very good at what they do even though they're kind of weird and eccentric and stuff like that totally or just assholes yeah let's call it as it is <laughs> yeah um but he just never quite made sense to me because like okay he's very competent he's doing what needs to be done okay i'm i'm on board with that and then he just, like, randomly just goes, like, oh, I'm going to take all of this film that I already have that's pretty good shots of of this creature, and I'm going to try to get the perfect shot, and that's what kills him. And 
he does it at the cost of, you know, the camera and the film getting destroyed. Like, why wouldn't he have, I don't know, switched out film and try to get one more good shot as opposed to, I don't know, just like that didn't make any sense to me. Um, the random, like, TMZ motorcyclist who, like, materialized out of nowhere? Yeah, he just, like, showed up randomly just as, like, they're about to do their plan just to like, what? get killed and, Why? and was shouting nonsense why aren't you filming this well that guy had no idea there was an alien he was just you know got wrecked his motorcycle real bad and is probably what he thought was going on and he's yelling why aren't you filming this why aren't you filming a random tmz guy on your property who wrecked his bike is that what you're saying like it just nothing ever quite made connections he basically seemed to be there to drop a few vague interesting things you know did you know that that this place is all blurry on google maps okay that's kind of interesting where was this the rest of the film like yeah exactly this is really late in the film to have something interesting like that and then for him to basically conveniently leave a motorcycle for uh kiki palmer to ride off into the sunset yeah, the best word I can use is contrived. Like, even our grizzled old boomer felt contrived for some sort of plot story or plot twist that it just didn't add up. It, I, I, I was mad, honestly, at those two parts. It was like, why? Why is this relevant to us? It, it's distracting from what's going on. I do not care about this random TMZ motorcyclist. Yeah. I do not care about the grizzly boomer. Like, we don't need them to tell a good story, in my opinion. Yes. And also, I, I felt like one of these very big plot threads that got a lot of attention never also quite connected for me. Um, and that is the, the whole thing with the chimp, you know, that freaked out while filming the, the TV show. And yeah, you know, this, this, you know, random cowboy you know, or, you know, child actor turned cowboy attraction guy. Like, okay, I think what it's playing with is how, like, nature and animals and the ways that we interact with them aren't maybe safe or that we truly understand animals or their motivations or things like that. And that is kind of maybe the major theme of the film. But even still, it just felt tangential. And, but... Well, there was a lot, a lot of time dedicated to telling this story. The whole idea of this Wild West kind of resort um, amusement park, I don't even know what to call it. Jupiter's Landing, I think is what they called it. It was based around this idea of jupe. And I, I still don't know what purpose that served, other than to tell kind of a vignette story of... Like, be kind to animals, or you can't trust animals, or animals are bad. It just... Ugh, it was weird. It, it felt like two different movies, almost. Yeah, and, like, with how much attention is paid to it, like, I mean, like, literally the opening shot of the film is, you know, us seeing partway through the massacre, and then we have a whole chapter of the film that is just, you know, watching that happen. And then this very intense moment where the chimp, you know, 
has presumably killed one person, I guess ripped the lips off of someone else, um, you know, kills another person, and then, you know, slowly makes it w its way over to Jupe, who is hiding under a table, and sees him, and then reaches out, you know, in this, like, gesture of, like, friendship, um, that, you know, I guess was a thing that they had on their TV show, and then gets shot. Okay. It was startling, and it was interesting, and it makes for a good short film, I guess. But... Why? There's a lot... Yeah, there's so much attention to it. And, like, I think there's something there that is, you know, definitely tied to some, some deeper message that, you know, Jordan Peele was trying to convey, but it just didn't connect to the main story clearly enough in a way that I'm able to draw those connections. Because, yeah, it just feels like it's some weird lengthy backstory about a character I didn't really like or care about um, even more so than a lot of the other characters who was basically there to be cannon fodder I don't need a big backstory for cannon fodder but it is but thematically it, it does tie but I can't connect them I don't know it's just it's this like puzzle piece and I'm like it's it's me staring at this puzzle and going I know this piece fits <laughs> but this piece has jagged edges and the rest of them have rounded edges but I need it to make the, the puzzle fit together and I don't ever get it to quite fit and, and, and yeah I think maybe that's kind of what it boils down to is there clearly is some sort of social message that is here but I mean and, and but I, I I finished the what? film, and I said, so what was huh? this trying to tell me? Right. And I didn't have a clear answer to that. And so I went on Google, and the answers were basically just like, oh, well, it's about this complicated relationship between Hollywood and animals, or between, like, humans and animals. And I'm like, okay, but, like, that's so yeah, I, vague and esoteric that I, I think... There was a, a clearer message that was intended that never came through. Yeah, that I, I think that's where I'd like to kind of wrap up here is Jordan Peele is kind of well known for delivering a social social message in his films. You know, Get Out was very pointed. Us was a little more cryptic, but still could be understood. This one left me feeling like, well, like what's the message? What am I supposed to know here? Yeah, and to me, maybe I thought like it was uh, a reflection on like race and how you know white people viewed Africans and slaves as kind of these animals and these monsters, but they were equally as powerful as them. But that still doesn't fit. And then you have the Jupe storyline, which you kind of have to piece together as well, and it. I don't know. Nope left me feeling kind of confused and empty. And usually when you watch Jordan Peele, you're you're filled and you're you just have so much insight into something that you didn't think you had. Mm -hmm. And so uh I don't know. It's it it promised a lot and it failed. But man, he took a big swing. 
Um, well, let's talk ratings. So, uh, I can start us off with our screens. Uh, I felt like, you know, there's two very strong scenes of horror uh, that definitely creeped me out, uh, which earned it a three. And unfortunately, there just really weren't any other horrific scenes in the rest of the movie. Yeah, I gave I gave it a three as well. There were some really good moments, but too few. It it wasn't scary. It it, mm-hmm. it wasn't even suspenseful. Almost like it was just to some extent a dramatic film with some horror elements. It was. I don't know. It let me down. Yeah. Um, um, I gave it a four on crowns. I originally started out as a five. Then I went to a 4.5. Then we talked about it, and now I'm giving it a four. Um, I, I was not a fan. Uh, I think the people I went with really enjoyed it. And I wonder if, in part, Nathaniel, sometimes I think we go into films with that critic's eye, especially horror films. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think that like shatters the magic of film for us because uh, watching like the people I was with having such an enjoyable time and I didn't want to say anything because I was thinking really? like this? this is like, good? it's not great I, I don't know I, I, was a little, I was disappointed yeah um, I gave it a five like I said I'm just perfectly lukewarm uh, I think, you know, how I uh, phrased it to you uh, earlier when we were texting about it, because I, I only just finally watched this movie, um, was that it sure was a movie. It was one of the films of all time. Um, <laughs> and and I, I, I feel that sincerely. It was uh, 90 minutes of my life in which I was entertained, but neither thrilled nor especially disappointed. <laughs> I was just... Uh, I, not disappointed. It, it was just time, pointed. time that was spent. <laughs> um, uh, I love that analogy. So, so yeah. It again, the things that it did well, it did really well. But uh, I don't know. I, I just like. It's very rare that I feel this like indifferent either way towards the film. Like, I usually either feel angry that I wasted my time, or, you know, I'm like, oh, well, you know, that was good. Like, you know, I, I'm glad I saw it. This one, like, yeah. I, I feel like if I had not seen that, I would be exactly the same level <laughs> in terms of my life, my yeah, my and, level and, of entertainment that I've, I've received as a person over the years. That's kind of the irony about it, right? Like, it's not a, a bad film. It just falls short of what it needed to do to some extent. I don't know. We could we could harp on about it all night long. Just a solid <laughs> meh. Um, so, uh, let's, let's maybe talk about some other horror briefly before we wrap things up today. How are you staying spooky these days? Yeah, um, two things I was really excited to, to watch and was looking forward to was first, Wendell and Wild. Uh, it's kind of a stop animation Halloween Tim Burton-esque. 
Uh, it's on Netflix. It came out around Halloween, and the screenplay is actually by Jordan Peele, directed by Henry Selick. Yeah. Uh, I did not. We, we didn't finish it, Nathaniel. We got about halfway into it, and we're just like, this is dumb. We're going to turn it off. Oh. Uh, the plot doesn't go anywhere. There's all of these crazy random details going on on top of the plot. And we were about an hour into it. And we were just like, has anything like happened? What's going on? It just it was confusing. It was chaotic. And it just did not hit the mark. I was really bummed about this one. Uh, that, that is disappointing to hear. I've been looking forward to watching it. Um, because I love... You know, love me some key and peel, and I know you know they're both uh, in this as actors. Right. And Henry Selleck is is amazing, especially with his stop animation stuff. You know, like Coraline, I would say is one of the best stop animation movies of all time. And of course, he also I, directed Nightmare. Uh, and I wonder if you know that was part of it. The night before we watched Coraline, and that movie is just a work of art. Um, Nightmare Before Christmas is very dear to my heart. I even like Corpse Bride. Like, I love a good stop animation, and I don't need it to be completely like brilliant and mind blowing. But this just failed. I, I couldn't finish it. I, I usually don't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the other thing, though, is we finished Midnight Club. Which is the Flanniverse, the new addition to the Flanniverse. Um, every time Jamie's name popped up on the credits, I had to tell my partner, of course, I know him! <laughs> uh, which made me feel very special. Uh, this series is brilliant. I mean, Flanagan can do no wrong. Uh, it's probably the weakest of the four entries, just because it is projected to be kind of a, a series rather than a standalone. So the ending didn't deliver, like, say, Midnight Mass or Haunting on Bly or whatever. But okay, it will get you. You watch it, and then all of a sudden they start one of those awesome Flanagan monologues, and you're crying and contemplating your life and existence and wondering what the afterlife will be like. <laughs> it's so good. Okay. Well, I, I, I mean, of course I'm going to watch it. I just haven't gotten to it yet because... Um, as as has been referenced uh, earlier, you know, just everything is chaos uh, in in life, and uh, haven't haven't gotten to Midnight Club yet. But I I, I am going to remedy that soon because I definitely definitely want to watch it. Um, well, I've uh, enjoyed a couple of things recently uh, as far as me staying spooky. Uh, one of them is I listened to a book called The Girl from the Well by Rin, I think the the way to pronounce her last name is Chupaco, or Chupaco. I I probably just butchered it, and I, if she ever hears me butcher her last name, I apologize. Uh, you're a great writer, Rin. Uh, whatever your last name's pronunciation is. Um, <clears throat> so, Girl from the Well is a really fun story. Uh, it's kind of you know, YA horror in a lot of ways, but it was well written. It was creepy. Uh, basically, the idea is it is the um, archetypal Japanese like uh, 
girl from the well, uh, you know, hair down in front of her face, kind of scary ghost. That was kind of the uh, original, you know, prototype that, that, you know, gets used a lot in a lot of Japanese horror, like with uh, Sadako, a.k.a. Samara in The Ring, or, you know, The Lady in the Grudge, or really just a lot of Japanese horror will we'll use that kind of uh, creature. Um, so it kind of took that original folklore story and then had it be this ghost that has um, kind of moved on from that role and has started kind of hunting for people who... Um, do harm to children uh, and then it you know while going out and doing that encounters another ghost that is like magically connected to a child and you know tries to uh, unravel it and so it's all from this ghost's perspective uh, for the most part and it's really uh, an interesting perspective to, to see a story told from and it was it was a lot of fun it was a, a cool story with some good twists and turns and uh, really interesting characters. I, I quite enjoyed it. Uh, there's a sequel, and I'm definitely going to have to pick that one up. Um, the other thing I have down for how I'm staying spooky uh, is also another Monkey Paw production, which is, you know, of course, Jordan Peele's production company. Uh, but this was a <laughs> podcast, um, you know, like a fictional scripted podcast called Quiet Part Loud. Uh, that they did um, with Gimlet, um, the podcasting company uh, for Audible. Um, Quiet Bart Lad was interesting. It's basically following this like right-wing conservative talk show host that became disgraced um, after faking in an anthrax threat. Um, you know, in like the early two thousands, uh, trying to like regain his name. Uh, by kind of in, uh, being drawn to investigate what happened to some Muslim boys that disappeared, that of course when they originally disappeared, he claimed that they were terrorists and all that stuff on his show. Uh, but it's him kind of investigating and being drawn into this some sort of supernatural creature that has this horrifying like cry sound that like if if you hear it, like you become obsessed with it. Um, it's, it's well done. It, it was interesting. It's, uh, not terribly long. I think it was 12 episodes long, uh, each one being, um, I don't remember, like a half hour to an hour long. I don't remember exactly. So, you know, not, not a, a terribly long series, but it had some fun twists and turns. It was well, well done, well acted. Um, I don't know. It's, it's worth checking out. Uh, didn't quite fill the, uh, you know, eternal uh, video palace shaped hole in my heart, but you know, it, it gave, uh, gave gave it a, a decent try. Oh, I'll have to look into it. Yeah, it's it's fun. Like nothing phenomenal. You know, I'd probably give it like a seven out of ten, but you know, it, it it's worth a, a listen. Oh, nice. Anyway. So, uh, well, we are close to Thanksgiving, so definitely hope all of our listeners have a good holiday. If you celebrate, eat some good food. Don't watch Things Killing. With... Don't or do, because it's a hoot. It's so bad it's a hoot. Um, and also, 
if you don't celebrate, just enjoy the time off. Enjoy relaxing and chilling out. Yeah. Watch a scary movie. Yeah. And also, you know, stay spooky. Stay spooky!